Hey out there, everybody in quarantine land. This is Quarantine Stuff You Should Know with your host, AJ Hannenberg. That's me. I'm the host. I'm not like prepping you for a different host. I'm the host. No, Nobody else. So I know you, I am ready to be done with quarantine. I bet you are probably ready to be done with quarantine. It feels like forever. So in case you are still feeling a little stuck like me, I'm bringing you some stories from the Decameron. If you're curious why I'm doing this, you can go and check out my intro episode. I'm not going to spend a whole, whole, I almost said a whole lunch more time, a whole lot more time on it. We're just going to get started, started with today's story. So after Amelia finished with story number six, everyone was happy about it. They loved the quip the man had given that priest and how he had sassed him good and made the priest look real silly. And up next was Philostrato. And he said, hey, look, it's pretty easy to hit a target that never moves. No one's really, you know, really shocked at that, like making fun of the vicious and avaricious lives of the clergy. But it's a pretty impressive thing when an unexpected target appears and then someone hits him instantly out of the blue. And so... While the man who rebuked the Inquisitor is worthy of praise, sure, the guy that that story reminds me of is more worthy of praise since he rebuked the famous Messer Can della Scala, a great lord and generally magnanimous, for a sudden and out-of-the-ordinary fit of selfishness. And the way he did it was by telling a charming story and rebuking him with charming characters. And here we go. Practically everybody knows Messer Con della Scala, a man who fortune has favored in Italy and who has a reputation for being distinguished and magnificent, and he is one of the best lords we've had since Emperor Frederick II. Now, Messer Cain, that's another name for Messer Con della Scala, same guy, decided one morning to have a splendid festival in Verona that would be super memorable. So he invented, so, oh, so he invited court entertainers. And in the middle of preparations, he changed his mind. So he partially reimbursed his guests and sent them token gifts and then sent them packing. Except for one, an entertainer named Bergamino, who was a master of impromptu polished speeches. You give a speech at the drop of a hat, no sweat. He wasn't given leave to depart and he also wasn't given a gift. So he just kind of hung around because he didn't know what that signified. Maybe there was some business for him in the future. Maybe the Lord would call on him and he would be sort of the farewell entertainer. Who knew? So he stuck around, hoping for some future benefit. But for some reason, the idea had gotten into Messer Cain's head that anything he gave Bergamino would surely be more wasted than if he had just chucked it into the fireplace. Still, he didn't say anything to Bergamino about it. And so Bergamino got melancholy. He wasn't sent for, and he was using up all of his money staying at the inn with all of his servants and his horses. Nevertheless, he continued to wait, since it didn't seem like a good idea to leave. When a great lord calls you, you don't just bail on him. So, in order to make a, a good appearance at the festival, he had brought three really polished, incredible suits of clothing, right? Things that had been given to him by other lords. And he kind of ran out of money, and so instead of leaving and sleeping on the ground, he decided to give his clothing to the innkeeper instead of money. And so he had gone through one suit, and then he 
went through another suit. And then in the middle of the third suit, he's on his last suit of clothing. He's getting close to the bottom of the barrel here. One day he was standing near the table of Messer Cain while he was eating his dinner. And he looked pretty sad, obviously. So Messer Cain said, and kind of in a mocking tone to make fun of him, Brigamino, what's wrong? You look so melancholy. Tell us about it. Without reflecting, but speaking as though he had spent a long time thinking about it, he said, Let me tell you, Messer Cain, about Primasso, a worthy grammar master who had no equal at composing verses. He could produce it with great facility. Nobody was as good as he was. He was really respected and famous that even where people didn't know him by sight, they knew him by reputation, right? Primasso was the name of poetry. Now, for, for a little while, he was living in poverty in Paris. In fact, his talent was little appreciated by the people who could actually give him money. The people who could help him, they didn't really want the poetry. So he was poor. Uh, so he was living in Paris, and he happened to hear somebody talking about um, the, the abbot of Cluny, a man who had a ton of income from his from his many lands and was one of the richest prelates except for the Pope in God's church. And so he heard these people saying marvelous things, how he was always holding court, never denied food or drink to anyone, provided that they asked while he himself was eating. Primaso enjoyed associating with gentlemen and lords, and so he decided to go check this guy out. Sounds nice. And he did some inquiring and found out that his place was about six miles from where he was staying. And he's like, if I start early, I can probably get there by dinner time, right? Get some food. But he couldn't find anyone going in that direction. And he was worried about getting lost. And so in case he kind of got off track and didn't find himself somewhere with food, he took three loaves of bread with him and stuffed them in his shirt and then started on his way. He figured there'd be water somewhere to find. And so he actually made pretty good time and didn't get lost, and he arrived at the house he was aiming for. And when he arrived, he discovered a large number of tables set out, great preparations in the kitchen, a whole bunch of stuff being made as if there was great, some great party going on. And he thought to himself, truly, this man is as, as magnificent as people say he is. This is incredible. So he waited around and kind of hung around until the servants told everyone it was time to wash their hands and be seated. And so they seated him and gave him some water. And by chance, he was seated directly opposite of the doorway through which the abbot of Cluny usually passed for dinner. And so he's just sitting there hanging out. They never put anything down in front of the guests until the abbot himself comes in. So there's no food to eat. Now the abbot, as he walked through the door, he caught sight of this shabbily dressed primasso. He didn't recognize him. He didn't know that he was famous at all. And he thought, man, look at this guy. What in the world am I giving my food to? Which was a thought he had never had in his life, right? He had given food to all kinds of people. And so this was way out of the ordinary. But for some reason, he didn't like this ragamuffin. So he turned on his heels and asked if any, and asked all of his servants if anyone recognized that guy. And nobody said that they did. Well, Primaso was hungry. So while the abbot was inquiring, Primaso started into one of his loaves of bread. He wasn't wasn't a the type of guy that sits around fasting for no reason. And this was reported to the abbot. So the abbot said, well, let him eat his own food. He's not getting any of ours. So they waited. And the abbot wanted him to kind of leave of his own accord because it didn't seem like a good thing to ask someone to leave a dinner, right? It's kind of indecorous. 
And he hung around, and the abbot waited and watched, and Pramaso started into his second loaf, and polished off his second loaf, and then started into his third loaf. And apparently these people were not worried about carbs. But the abbot finally, as he was starting into his third loaf, thought, man, what is going on with me today? Why am I such a miser? Why do I feel contempt for this fellow? For, for whom? I don't even know this guy. I've given food to anyone without asking if he was a gentleman or a peasant, rich, poor, merchant, or huckster. I've seen tramps devour my food, and never once did I feel like this. If I can watch the lowest of the low eat my food without noting, without even noticing that what's happening, this man must be more important than that. So he went and did some inquiring, and he found out that this was Pramaso, the great poet, and heard he had come to find out about his magnificence. Um, and so the abbot felt great shame, and desiring to make amends, the abbot contrived all sorts of honors for him. He had him outfitted in a fine set of clothes, provided him with money and a saddle horse, and said he was free to come and go as he pleased. More than satisfied, Pramaso gave the abbot the most heartfelt thanks, and returned to Paris on his brand new horse. And then Messer Kane kind of knew what all this was about and said, Bergamino, you've given an apt demonstration of your wrongs while showing us your virtues and my miserliness. And I know what it is you want. I have never been afflicted like today with the kind of avarice that I felt towards you and your performance, but I'll, I'll beat it away with the very stick you've given me. So, Messer Cain paid the innkeeper, dressed Bergamino nobly in a nice set of clothes, gave him money and a saddle horse, and told him he could come and go as he pleased. What's interesting to me about this particular story is how, how nobly both men act, acted when there was something between them, right? There was no Twitter flame battle between these two guys. One guy told a story that didn't obviously attack Mr. Kane, in case he was in company where he would have been embarrassed, Mr. Kane didn't have to respond, and yet he knew it was aimed towards him, he knew he was wrong, and sort of swallowed his pride. I don't know, it's maybe a good example for us. I don't have anything special to say about that. I did, though, get an email about my last story, and you know how I didn't quite understand the story, or why, why the woman saying, like, all chickens are the same here or anywhere else, would would sort of get get the king and kind of tell him what was you know, that he was barking up the wrong tree. Well, apparently the joke kind of is that in the dark, a chicken's a chicken, right? Why is the king pursuing this woman when he could have pretty much any woman he wanted to, right? No matter who it is, a chicken's a chicken. You want a girl, you can have a girl. Why are you asking me? Apparently that's the joke. And that makes a little more sense than what I thought it was. So if you're curious, you can go back and listen to that episode. And thank you listener for your kind email sort of setting me straight. All right. Thanks, that's today's story, and I'll be with you tomorrow.